what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 3, which begins with an unknown MFP officer working on his interceptor and ends with Charlie and Roop speeding down a dirt road. We start off this minute with the second half of dialogue from the dispatch that we were talking about last minute. Yes. So, if you remember, Dispatch was talking about how they really don't want the pursuit of Knight Rider turning into something more than it is. They say that it's just a standard code 44, respond only to that code. And at the end, they say a pursuit special has been stolen. Hall Captain Fifi McAfee doesn't like this any more than you. However, we must not compromise territorial range. Remember that only by following instructions can we hope to maintain a successful highway program. So I like that they they point out that while the captain is dedicated to the rule of law, he's not unfeeling to their plight. Yeah, he recognizes that this is a personal issue to them, that they, they feel a particular passion about catching this guy. I actually, I'm really glad that you got the script and you and you knew what was in the, the radio because... The part where she says only by following instructions can we hope to maintain a successful highway program, that was the only part of it that I really caught. Yeah. So now knowing that the radio banter from earlier was going back and forth about how to treat this guy, that makes so much more sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and really if you don't hear all of that buildup, I mean... Only by following instructions can we hope to maintain a highway program. Like, that's really clear. It's really easy to see because the only thing happening on the screen is Roop lumbering across the road because he's not fit. You can actually see a bit of jiggle Jiggle. as he's moving, which just makes him even harder to watch. (laughs) But um, this is actually the minute that, as I was watching it, I decided, I threw my hands up in the air and I said, I cannot understand what this radio is saying and so i jumped on google and i i started hunting and i actually found one and so that's where i really started taking a hard look Mm -hmm. at what was going on and Um, knowing knowing all that backstory for knight rider this chase makes sense you you now have learned about the characters mm -hmm. and part of their motivations and Really quickly, we've gotten to know them enough that we want them to pursue Knight Rider. And we don't even know who Knight Rider is yet. We actually learn in this minute who they're chasing. Yeah, and I mean, Max and Knight Rider, we don't know them yet. Yeah. We're getting there, but not quite there. Yeah. And I, I think so quickly, George Miller did a really good job of so quickly getting us invested. If you listen to that radio. Yeah. I think if not, then it's like just another car chase. It, it seems almost gratuitous if you don't know the story, mm-hmm. which I think is why when I first watched it, I became uninterested very quickly. Yeah. I think 
a side effect of them being such a low budget movie that's where you lost out on all of the really clear audio that you would see in a higher budget movie they would have ADR'd it better yeah they would have run a track that was clearer and not quite so <laughs> run over by the other yeah. audio tracks they would have made it more like opening narration yeah the, that we that we are missing in this movie the that we see in of, other movies yeah, the um, of... it would have served a purpose to set up the scene. And actually, as I commented before, I think in episode one that we're watching the Australian version. I'm actually curious if the American version, if that radio is any clearer. I actually I watched one video on YouTube where it played the American dub and then went back and replayed the Australian dub. Mm-hmm. And they've chunked it out into a bunch of little pieces. And I don't actually remember if the radio was clearer. Yeah. I remember that, obviously, Sars and Roop and Charlie, those guys, you could all hear them with very American accents. But, yeah, I don't remember about the radio. Yeah, maybe that's something we should look up before next episode. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Ha-ha! Thinking on the fly, <laughs> preparing in media stress. Anyway, so going back to the movie proper, Roop yep. does his, you know, overweight guy half jog Lumber. across the street. Yeah, over to the driver's side. It's like, I know, like when you're watching a movie, it's not fair to see someone that's overweight and code them a certain way, but... Roop, being in the physical condition that he is in, does not do his character credit. And I know I'm saying that as a guy that is overweight himself, but it's like, oh, you just look at him and he just looks greasy. It almost feels like a a choice, a style choice. Because, you know, just because you're overweight doesn't mean, you know, it has nothing to do with being lecherous, first yeah. of all. And that's a big part of his character that's just gross and icky. But also, people who are overweight also don't necessarily, like, lumber the way that he does. Yeah. So, I feel like that's on purpose. Even if he were, you know, a fitter guy, I feel like the character choice would still have been to lumber around the front of that car. Yeah. So, Roop is running back, and he goes, throws the rifle in the back of the car, and then goes around to the front. Meanwhile... Um, Sars is calling over the radio saying, hey, we're three minutes from this intersection. Can you guys make it in time? And Roop's like, oh, yeah, we'll make it. And then he tries to get in the driver's seat. Yes. <laughs> and I love the the little exchange that him and Charlie have where it's so juvenile. Yes. And I caught the same thing. I I love the look on Charlie's face. Like, he his expression is like, no, I'm I'm a real man. I can do this. I'm a grown-up. Yeah. Let me drive. It's my responsibility. Like he looks like he looks almost like a little boy pretending to be a grown-up mm-hmm. wanting to drive. Yeah, and it's totally his turn to drive. Yeah. He was assigned as the driver. So Roop can't take that away from him. It's it's his. He can't take him away. Mhm. Oh my gosh. But I he just, does. I just noticed something. Have I been calling Roop uh, Rube? Roop? I don't know what the actual... Hold on. No, it's Roop. R-O-O-P. Okay. I, I I might have been misspelling it on my notes. Okay. I can I can take... Because I yeah, know... Yeah, it's Roop. Oh, yeah. It's Roop with a P, not okay. Roop with a, with a B. With I was a spelling it wrong on my notes. Okay. I know in the character sheet you spelled it right. Yeah. Roop. 
So, but Rube just overpowers Charlie's quote unquote authority. Not in this instance, though. And tells um, him, gets him to move over. No, um, because oh, no, Charlie right. says, that's I've been right. assigned. And and they actually, like, Rupe tries to pull open the door and Charlie pulls it pulls shut. Pulls it back. And Rupe just gives up. Gives up, that's right. <laughs> so he, he lets the door close and then crosses over in front of the car. And Charlie, like, starts to drive off without him before he's able to get in front of the car. And yeah. then as he's rounding the other corner, Charlie he... starts to drive again, almost like running over Rupe. <laughs> Yes. Like, almost to, like, make him go faster. Right. Like, it just seemed like sloppy driving, which, again, I think is a character choice. I think Charlie is a sloppy driver. I don't remember if we ever see him drive again. Oh, I don't Specifically. think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he loses his, yeah. his uh, right to drive. Yeah, um, among other it, things. It does we'll seem kind of juvenile. Later. Like, think of, like... A 14, 15-year-old getting to drive for the first time with their parents. Yeah. I specifically remember my sister is about a year and a half, two years older than me. So when she got to drive for the first time, I got to drive for the first time, which I'm sure annoyed her. But the very first thing I did was slam on the brakes because mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, the first time you get in there, you don't know the feel of the car. And that, you know, I slam on the brakes and that was it for me for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to drive again. Um it, it felt like he didn't understand the feel of the car, and he was letting the brake go, not think, pushing on it hard enough. Yeah. We talked it last minute a bit about how... Talked it? We spoke last minute a bit about Charlie being a rookie MFP. Yeah. And there's not a ton of backstory in the movie about who these individual officers are, what their backstory is. And I looked on, there's actually a Mad Max Wikipedia, uh, Mad Max Wiki, and you can go to these individual character pages, and and it's not like there's extra material. This isn't Star Wars where you've got a 500-page book that someone has written all about Roop and all about Charlie. Yeah. Detailing their backstory and expressing how it was them that blew up the Death Star or something like that. Um, These guys are pretty, they are what they are. I think... Exactly like you were saying, that kind of starting and stopping is either indicative of him not being fully comfortable with the car or also indicative of his just general disdain for Root. Because you really get a sense in these minutes coming up that they really don't like each other. Oh, there's a fantastic exchange coming up in a, in a future minute that I can't wait to talk yeah. about. Oh, and it's heartbreaking because it's, it's an exchange that's actually split between two minutes. Yeah, I, know exactly I think, yeah, I think we'll pull in like the first two seconds of the next minute because yeah. it's just a gem. <laughs> It's like my favorite line of the entire movie. So that's, yeah, that's down the road a little bit. So Roop and Charlie are driving down the road and Roop jumps on the radio and he asks what the situation is. And he uses, I think, there's a lot of Australian slang in this movie because it was written by Australians and filmed by Australians. But he says, uh, hey, Sars, what's the form on this thing? And Sars gives us a rundown of what we're dealing with in this early movie antagonist. And so Sars describes our pursuit subject as a twisto bikey a scoot jockey um he went berserk down in sun city wasted a young proby and took off in a pursuit special so this is the cop killer that they were talking about in the yeah. earlier minute he was in custody probably got out of his his restraints because you can actually see in a couple of scenes he's still attached to chains and oh, i think there's I like a, there's a handcuff that that's on one of his hands and he's barefoot 
I yeah. Like they they you can very clearly see that the Night Rider is is barefoot, but he was being moved by police and he killed one of the officers in order to uh, escape with this pursuit special. He's got a he's got a companion in the car who is never really given a name. No. Unfortunately, but she doesn't really say much anyway. No, and they also don't talk about where she came from. Yeah. Yeah. Um I assume that she was not in custody as well. I'm wondering if like, she kind of helped him. Oh, that makes sense. If she if She's she helped him out. Yeah. Cuz she seems just as crazy as as him as far yeah. as like this they they're very manic. They're very high energy. Yes. People. I am do you think they're on something? You know, I I was wondering about that. Let's talk about it again in a later minute cuz okay. I do have some notes about that. Okay. Um so Sars talks about this guy, and you actually looked up one of the the slang terms. Yeah, I was interested in the nicknames. Specifically, I looked up scoot jockey, Mm. and it's just a a slang nickname term for a motorcycle rider. And as a motorcycle rider, Rick, how do you feel about the nickname scoot jockey, which I imagine comes from scooter jockey, someone who rides a scooter, and comparing that to a motorcycle rider... How do you feel about being compared to a scooter rider? Okay, so I've been riding for, what, three years now? Yeah, I think so. Maybe three and a half, four years. Anyway, I, I'm okay with being called a twisto bikey if I were acting erratically. But the idea of being called a scoot jockey? Yeah. <laughs> Scooters are not motorcycles. I don't know who is listening to this and if they are the kind of person that is out riding scooters, but I'm sorry, that's not a motorcycle. That is a scooter, and it is not the same. If you're on a motorcycle, you have a big old engine between your knees, and you are flying down the highway. If you are a scooter, you are putt-putting in the breakdown lane on your way to pick up milk or something like that. It's not (laughs) the same. And oh, if you want to get under someone's skin and you know that they hate scooters, you call them a scoot jockey. And oh my gosh, that does not, oh, I do not like that. Yeah. I don't like it at all. Yep. (laughs) But considering that we're not supposed to like the Knight Rider either, I I can take a step back and be like, okay, you know. Right. You don't need to, you don't need to feel sympathy for the Knight Rider because I called him a scoot jockey. Yeah. I mean, this guy is not a sympathetic character. No. You're not supposed to be on his side because A, he's a cop killer. Yes. That Absolutely. He's done for right there. That instantly classifies him as a bad dude. And I'm not talking like bad guy in terms of like Wreck-It Ralph where he's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. No, this is a bad guy. This he is killed, a bad guy. He killed an officer. There's right. not that many po- police officers He is a bad left. person. He's not yeah. a person that did a bad thing. He is a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I like how Sars is talking about the Knight Rider. And he says... Um, this one's up in the air, Rube. I've seen this style before. Terminal psychotic. And yeah. then as soon as he says terminal psychotic, we get our first good look at the Knight Rider, played by Vince Gill. Yeah. And he doesn't even have a line of dialogue to introduce himself. He's just screaming. Screaming and like wagging his tongue and stuff like that. And it, that seems to be like film code for psychotic. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this uh, this chase that you really know is there's been a lot of radio chatter so far between the MFP and the officers and between the officers and the other cars, between Big Bopper and March Hare. 
and we've been hearing it on Mad Max's radio as well. The Knight Rider is in a pursuit special. He's in a police vehicle. So all of this radio chatter they've been talking about, like they can hear it too. Yes. <laughs> and in in minutes down the road, they actually get on the radio and start. He starts monologuing as he's right? speeding down the <laughs> which highway. Is, which is the death knell. Yeah. If you're <laughs> when a, bad a bad guy. guy. If you're a bad guy, rule number one is don't monologue. If you are in a situation where you feel empowered, don't start talking about it. Just move on. Yep. Just do what you're going to do and get it done. So at some point during the the radio talk, we cut back to Max. And he... we, We... we don't know yet that he's Max. We still haven't seen his face. They're doing this thing that I don't love, where they keep showing us him, Max, mm-hmm. but they're hiding his face from us, yeah. just showing his lower half, just showing his feet. I love to show his feet. In defense of that, those boots are pretty slick looking. Yes, the boots are pretty amazing. And they keep doing this for the next couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. And by the second half of this minute, I'm done. Like, just show me his face. Let me know that it's Max. You've got some real fatigue going on there. Yeah, absolutely. But he he put something on his hands. Yeah, it's like a, out um, of a canister. It's a degreaser. Yeah, it's, which um, looking back at it a couple times, I kind of figured that out that he'd been working on the car. His hands were greasy, so he puts on this degreaser. And the way he rubs it into his hands, yeah, it's like he's putting on lotion. Like he's trying to rub it into his skin. Oh yeah, um, and there, it just looks so gross to me. There's, um, <laughs> That's not a that's not a new thing. Obviously, I mean, yeah, it's been around right. since the the seventies. But it's a it's a degreaser, and it's kind of like a cream. You kind of rub it in your hands, and what it does is it kind of makes it so that you can you can clean your hands without water. The right. whole idea is that right. if you're in a mechanic shop, you can get your hands clean and then just wipe all that stuff off without yep. having to go. So into he a grabs a towel off his shoulder, which. Given the post-apocalyptic theme of the movie, that towel is very clean. It is very clean. Now it he's, is bright white and spotless. He's wearing a gray t-shirt, a light gray t-shirt. And Which that is also spotless. is pretty much the same shade. So it's not like it's a heavily used towel. And it's like, okay, so like we said before, we haven't gone full apocalypse yet. Right. Like right. we see after this whole crash situation is over we actually do get to see max at home right and it's like and it's very have... it's a home very much like like anything anyone would just live in it's normal yeah. it's very normal yeah there's a lot in this movie that feels very familiar we yes. haven't gone full alienating no. apocalypse yet. yes so they obviously still have washers and dryers yeah and i think okay as far as the towel goes I would say they still have new things because go to any mechanic shop and even the towels that are fresh from the washer and dryer are still like stained and mm-hmm. look greasy because grease stains. Mm-hmm. They're clean and they feel clean, but they don't look clean. Yeah. That towel had to have been brand new. Yeah. I mean, and plus next week, I think it's going to be, we're actually going to see uh, when we're introduced to Goose, he's in a restaurant. He's in a store. Yes. And... Yeah, things that are very normal, everyday living. Yeah, for the normal people of Australia, life is just, they're just making a go of it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to keep going normal as steady as she goes for as long as they can. And then eventually the prologue of Mad Max 2 happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Max cleaning himself up and then it goes into a couple of shots of Sars and Scuttle like following very closely behind this 
pursuit special, and then it kind of switches angles to Roop and Charlie going along this dirt road. From what I saw, when Roop and Charlie started off, they started on a dirt road. No, they started on a paved road. And then they must have transitioned to a dirt road somewhere so that they could like cut across to another paved road, which will actually get to the intersection where the Knight Rider and March Hare are headed. Which, I mean, they're highway patrolmen. They, they really need to know the roads. But I find mm-hmm. it interesting that there is such a process to get there that it's not like they're starting on the road. Right. It wasn't a direct shot. They had to cut over somewhere. Yeah. And filmmaking-wise, I expect that that was... Uh, mostly so we can get the shot of them turning the corner, fishtailing a little bit, mm-hmm. setting all the dirt up in the air. Makes for good film. Yeah. I think we're actually going to see that in, the next, in uh, minute four. I do appreciate that we do see a little cut of the outside of um, Knight Rider's car because we see the inside and it's, you know, a regular tan interior just like the, the, uh, the regular mm-hmm. MFP cars. But the outside, we see a quick shot of it and it's the black pursuit special and yes. there's another pursuit special and that's the one that max eventually gets to drive later yes. on in the drive so that becomes quite iconic yeah it kind of points out that in this organization they do have different classes of vehicle and different qualities of car but even so we'll see i think somewhere around minute 9 or 10 that it's not like the pursuit special is souped up in any way, enough to get away. Um, well, I think I think we'll talk more about that in the next minute. Yeah, we'll save it for there. Yeah. But I do like that they do have some way to distinguish what kind of, what car is what. Yeah, and it they... shows a level of organization mm-hmm. that tells us, it continues to tell us that there is some law and order going on. Yeah. That there are different types of officers who do different things, specialize in different things. Mm-hmm. We also learn later on uh, Goose rides a motorcycle. So uh, there's a third, like, class. And something that just occurred to me, and I'm not sure if we really learn more about this later on, but Big Bopper and March Hare are both a pair of cops, which is what we see in our society most of the time, pair of cops, especially, like, city cops, mm-hmm. um, is a pair. It's safer to move in a group. Exactly. Mad Max, however, is on his own. Yeah, Rokitansky, he has his own car. Yeah. He's not working with a partner. And I wonder if that comes with seniority. Like, he's got the skill and he's got the experience where he doesn't have to be saddled with a partner. Yeah. Because you definitely get that feeling with Roop and Charlie that... They're saddled with each other. Roop would prefer to be on his own. Yeah. But he was assigned Charlie. Now, conversely... I love the pair of Sars and Scuttle because they are... Okay, you remember the Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell movie, The Other Guys? Yes. And you had that one combination of, I think it was The Rock and Samuel Jackson. And they were the star cops of the movies. And spoiler alert for a movie that is well over half a decade old... Um, they end up jumping off a roof and like dying. In or like something. the first like, five minutes. Yeah, first five minutes. So it's not even much of a spoiler alert. But I feel like Sars and Scuttle are kind of like the, <laughs> the Rock and the Sam L. Jackson of the MFP. The really like the veterans. The veterans that are. They do seem really like they've been officers. doing it a long time. They break the rules with much less to do than Roop and Charlie. Yeah. Roop and Charlie, like they're a mess. Oh yeah. 
It definitely says something about their relationship. But, you know, they're a little bumbling and they can't decide on who's driving. But then there's Sars and Scuttle who are just doing it. Yeah, I can definitely appreciate they're very cool under fire. Yes. Like, because they are right on the Night Rider. They are. And you're right. They are cool under fire. And Yeah, Scuttle is like stone-faced that entire time. He, right. I think Scuttle only has like one line. Yeah. In the whole movie. I did, I did notice that it was the passenger who was doing all the communicating. The driver did not say a word. He's just driving. That's his job. Right now, his only job is to drive. Yeah, well, that that only makes sense for safety. Right, for safety. Because I mean, if you're and if you're in a high speed pursuit, <laughs> you don't want to have to take one hand off the wheel to hit the call button. Right, and not that it helps them later on down the road anyway. But those are no. extenuating circumstances. Yeah, does that bring us to the end of the minute? That pretty much brings us to the end of the minute. This minute, the action starts to get going. Things start to get rolling. Yeah. Setting up what's about to happen. Which, okay, we are in minute three. Mm Mm-hmm. And the action has been steadily rising. And I think from the moment that we first see Knight Rider, that's where the severity of the situation really hits home. It's like, okay, now we've heard talk about this cop killer. We've heard talk about this guy that's being pursued. Now we have a face. Now we have... Yep. Someone that we can root against. Against. So I think you're right that really, and I think that's a credit to George Miller as a director, knowing that he needed to start off this movie with a big action scene, that by the third minute, like, it's, it's on. It's going. Yeah. Now, compare that to other, like, modern day action movies, which I'm not a huge action movie fan, so I don't have specific examples, but, oh, okay, James Bond, the Daniel Craig one, I think it was his first one, where specifically his first one, where they start out the movie with a big old chase scene. Mm -hmm. Um, In some... Africa. In Africa, like a downtown market, port type area. And they start that off with a bang. Like they start right off on a chase scene. And it seems like action movies do that a lot now. Like Mm -hmm. they get you interested right away. The difference between those kinds of movies and this movie is one I particularly appreciate. That George Miller, he didn't start us off directly minute one right after the opening credits with Knight Rider driving crazy and being crazy and doing screaming and tongue wagging thing. He gave us like two and a half minutes of letting us know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And he did it without expositional. He did it without exposition. It made sense the way he did it with the interactions on the radio and passing information on to the officers he did it quickly, and we have we have like two and a half minutes to figure out what's going on, get a little bit invested in the characters, so that we can appreciate the action scene that we're going to go directly into. Mm-hmm. He does all that and still does it fairly quickly, and still gets us right into an action scene that we can enjoy. Yeah, and you got to remember he had to do it efficiently because they didn't have a huge budget. Yes, <laughs> and he did it all on $350,000. So on that note, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number three. See you tomorrow. Motorbikes and leather men Take me to the end of the dream Hold on tight, no, it's your feeling.